0: God, we thank you. We thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for the gift that you've given us to come here and praise your name, to come to your house and be in your presence. God, we can't thank you enough for that. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us. We thank you for all the times you've walked with us through hard times. You've walked through us through the good times, with the hard times, and you've always been with us. God, we thank you. And God, when we fear... When we fear in those hard times, be with us. Um, Comfort us and let us know that you are God and uh, and that you love us. Uh, God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Rob Lee, pastor here at uh, Christ Church. Glad you're with us this morning on this holiday weekend. You folks in the upper room, uh, fantastic that you're with us this morning as well. Know you're going to have a powerful experience up there, as well as everybody joining us uh, online. We get lots of people every week that just uh, tune in and join us on, online, so we're glad that you're with us uh, this morning as well. Um, we are in our series Seven Questions God Can't Answer. And uh, this series is going to the Scriptures and looking at those questions uh, that uh, Jesus asked His followers, and they are hard questions uh, because they call us uh, to really uh, respond, to reflect, to think about, uh, what about us? That uh, there may be questions that were asked uh, of those followers in the beginning, but uh, what about us today? If you're in the room and you claim Christ, um, wow. How do we respond to these kind of questions? And today's going to be no different, a reflective, challenging uh, question. Why are you so afraid? Uh, now, this question takes place uh, in the Gospels, in Matthew, in Mark, uh, and in Luke, right? Remember, the Gospels are those uh, collections of writings which tell us the words, the deeds, uh, the experience uh, of Jesus. And so you can go into those Gospels, and at least three out of the four Uh, you're going to find this experience of the calming of the storm. And it's in the middle of that experience that we get our question for today, why are you so afraid? What we're going to do this morning is look at only one of those gospel experiences. We're going to look at the gospel of uh, Mark. And so if you've got your Bible with you, that's where we're going, Mark 4. If you've got your phone with you, you can pull that out, open it up. We won't accuse you of reading your text or anything. Just trust you're in the Word there and uh, pull that out and go to Mark 4 because that's where we're going to travel today. If you get to Mark 4, uh, you'll see that before the experience of the calming of the storm and the question is asked... Uh, Jesus is uh, surrounded by uh, a huge crowd of people. There are so many people that are surrounding him uh, that he has to get into a boat and kind of put off from shore a little bit. And from the boat, uh, he begins to just teach the people. And at Mark 4, he's in this boat and he's teaching, and these are the parables, the picture stories. That's what parables are, right? They're stories he tells painting a picture that try to get significant truth across to the hearer. And so he tells a series of parables in Mark 4 just before the experience of the calming of the storm. Now, what's interesting is you go back through these parables, there is kind of this this thread, this common thread that runs through uh, all of these parables, the parable of the sower, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed. There's kind of this common thread that's running through them all that they all have to do with the experience of this planting and growing of faith and therefore growing of the kingdom. Right? Just this experience of using seeds especially as an analogy of of just this planting of faith and, and the impact of faith, the growing of faith, and ultimately, therefore, the growing of the kingdom. And if we, we we'd take the time to walk through the parables, which we don't have enough time this morning, you could see how that just kind of Uh, runs through all of them. And and we go to one of them. This is the parable of the lamp. Inside that parable, Jesus makes this statement. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. Now, of course, what are they hearing in the moment? Well, they're hearing Jesus sitting in a boat teaching them, right? So they're hearing his words. Today we would say, listen, you you better pay close attention to what Jesus says, right? Right? Better pay close attention to what Jesus says. Why? Well, the closer you listen to what Jesus says, the more understanding you're going to be given. So the closer you listen to Jesus, the more you take in his word, something more is going to happen in your life. You're going to get more understanding. You're, you're going to get more uh, understanding of how the world works. You're going to get more understanding of, of how faith works. You're going to get more understanding of the implications of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're going to get more understanding of how you live life as a Christ follower in light of the reality of this broken world. Right? So if you pay close attention and you listen repeatedly to the words of Jesus, you're going to get more. You're just going to get more understanding. And and beyond that, it says you're not only going to get more understanding that's going to be given to you, but you're going to receive what? Even more. So there's embedded in this the idea of growth, right? Expansion, growth, more, and then more, and then more more. You see the implications are the more we listen to Jesus, the more we pay to- close attention to Jesus in our lives in his words, then faith is going to grow. And as faith grows, we're going to have greater ability to deal with the experiences of our lives. Now, he uses these parables and these picture stories to try to get this through to anybody that would listen to him. But when the stories are over, it says that he paid special attention to his disciples. It says he used all these stories and these illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, when he was all alone with his disciples, that would be his followers, right? His closest followers. So those that paid attention and those who followed him, he went the extra mile, right? And he explained everything to them. Why would he do that? Because he wants his followers to make sure he wants his followers to understand the implications of his words and the faith it can grow in their lives. Is there a follower in the room today? Are you paying close attention to his words? Because this has a direct impact in how you understand not only faith, but how you understand applying that into the specific situations of your life as they unfold. Pay close attention. Why? Because storms happen. Storms take place. We all know that. If we do the survey today and say, hey, is there anybody in the room this morning that hasn't been in a storm? I don't mean just the storm out there. I mean, after all, it's done nothing but rain lately. We've all been in a storm, right? Uh, but I mean in, in a life storm, in an experience of life that is just simply a life storm, a, a difficulty, a challenge, a, a place of anxiety, of fear. Of course, we've all been in storms it's because storms just Happen. Sometimes they happen because we do something. Sometimes they happen because somebody else does something. But sometimes storms just simply happen. That's the way it was that day. He gets done preaching. He gets done teaching. And he says, hey, let's just put out a little ways. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus and they put him in the boat. And they started out and they left the crowds behind, although there were some folks that went along in some other boats. But soon, soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. All of a sudden, the storm just occurred, and the disciples are in the middle of it. Now, this is understandable if you're over in Israel. So anybody that wants to go to Israel with me in 2020, and you can see this, you'll experience this. Storms just happen on the Sea of Galilee. It, it's just the way it lays out over there, right? The, the winds come off the Mediterranean, and they kind of flow in, and there's kind of these channels and tunnels that just capture the wind, and they kind of funnel them right into the Sea of Galilee. And at the Sea of Galilee, when you're bobbing out there in the water, you kind of look, and there's this high ridge at the end. The storms just kind of come in, and they just kind of swoop right over the top of that ridge, right down onto the bowl of the Sea of Galilee, and you can't even see it coming. And it just happens. Had one of those storms? Had one of those experiences in your life where you just didn't see it coming? And all of a sudden, life is just in turmoil. What happens in the middle of the storm? Now, there's a contrast that takes place in the middle of this storm in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is in the middle of the storm. He's in the boat with the disciples. But it says Jesus is in the back of the boat and his head is there on a cushion and he is sleeping. Why is he sleeping? Well, he just got done preaching all day, right? I mean, I do three of these on Sunday morning and I go home in the afternoon and guess what I do? You bet, take a nap, right? That's kind of exhausting stuff. Well, Jesus has been doing this all day. He's been preaching all those parables all day, right, trying to get people to understand the impact of of what he's sharing for their lives, the importance of faith. And so he's in the boat, he's exhausted, he's sleeping. But there's something else that's going on. Jesus is in the boat, he's exhausted, and he's sleeping, and the storm is raging about him, and he doesn't even seem to take notice. How can Jesus express such calm in the middle of the storm? If we'd listen to Proverbs, the wisdom book, right? The great wisdom, the wisdom book of Proverbs, it says, "'You can go to bed without fear. "'You'll lie down and sleep soundly. "'You need not be afraid of sudden disaster, storms, "'or the destruction that comes upon the wicked.'" How can that be true? Verse 26. For the Lord is your security. How can Jesus, in the middle of the storm, lie there and be so absolutely calm and asleep? Not simply because he's exhausted, but because he is expressing exactly what he just got done preaching. See, guys like me, we hear that phrase all the time. Well, Pastor, make sure you practice what you preach. Heard that before? You see, he has to practice exactly what he just got done preaching. So the real question is do you think Jesus really believes what he just got done preaching in all of those parables? That his words that faith has implications for how we experience and go through life. That faith makes a significant difference in how we experience how life unfolds for us. That faith can make an extraordinary difference when it comes even to the storms. Do you think that Jesus understands the wisdom of Proverbs, that his life is absolutely secure in the Father? Ask it this way. We're about questions. Do you think there was anything that was going to happen in his life in that moment, in that storm, that was going to be so great that it would prevent him from going to the cross and walking out of a tomb three days later? Is there anything that was going to happen in his life before that moment that would cause that to not happen? Or was his life absolutely secure in the Father because his will and the Father's will was going to be accomplished? You see, I believe there's absolutely nothing. There was no storm big enough in Jesus' life that was going to prevent him from going to the cross for you. There was nothing in his life that was going to happen that was going to be strong enough and significant enough to keep him from walking out of a tomb three days later so that you and I can live a whole new life. His life was absolutely secure in the Father. And then there's the disciples in the midst of the storm, the disciples who just got done hearing everything Jesus taught, the disciples who just got done having everything more thoroughly explained into their life. They too are in the boat. And as they experience the storm, they understand Jesus is sleeping back there in the cushions, and they get anxious and they get captured by fear, and so they wake Him out, wake him up, and they shout at him and say, "Teacher!" Don't you care that we're going to drown? Now notice what they do when fear gets a hold of them. When fear gets a hold of them, what do they translate the fear into? The assumption that Jesus doesn't care. How many times have you been captured by fear? How many times has some storm come up in your life and as the storm is is, uh, raging around you, you get captured by the anxiety of the moment, the anxiety of the fear, and you translate that and you cry out to God and you assume by virtue of the storm what? God doesn't care. What if? What if it is exactly in the storm that God is working his strongest and God is revealing himself most clearly? What if in the middle of the possibility of fear, God is doing for you and exposing you in faith what you can't discover In any other means? What if it's precisely in the storm that God answers all your questions? This is what happens for the disciples in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the storm, Jesus, it says, stands up, wakes up, stands up, and says to the waves and the wind, Silence, be still. And suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. What did they discover in the middle of the storm that they could not discover anywhere else? They discovered that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. Because only God, only God can control the wind. Only God can silence the waves. Only God has the ability to control that environment. And in the middle of the storm, they see Jesus even beyond his words. And look what Jesus says. He asks the question of the day. Then he asks them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? That's a good question. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a disciple who's paid attention to his words, if you're somebody who claims to be a person of faith, why are you afraid? Why would you be afraid? Is your life any less secure in the victory won for you in Christ than Jesus' own life was secure in the Father? Is your life any less important than the life of Jesus was to the Father? I mean, elsewhere in Scripture, we can hear where he says, Listen, God knows you so well. He cares about you so much. He knows the hairs on your head, and he's got them numbered. He is down to the most intimate parts of your life. He knows everything, and he cares about the smallest of details. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? In the text, Jesus brings us into a challenging relationship because he asks the first question and then immediately he asks a second question. The first question, why are you afraid? The second question, if it goes forward, Terry, can you help me out up there, please? If we can get there, the second question has to do with uh, with faith. There it is. Why are you afraid? What's the second question? Do you still have no faith? Wow! What did he just do? He just brought the experience of faith, understanding his words, letting faith grow in our lives, doing taking into ourselves everything he was talking about in those parables, understanding the growth of faith in our lives has significant implications to how we experience life, how we walk through even the storms. So when he's in the middle of the storms, he says, not only why are you afraid, but do you still have no faith? That there's a direct relationship between fear unleashed in our life and faith growing in our life that if we have more fear in our life, we are exercising less faith. If we're exercising more faith in our life, then we will have less fear. He understands this direct relationship of understanding the truth of what he says, that our victory is already won, that our future is already secure, that there is nothing beyond the presence and the power of Christ in our life. The question is... Why are you afraid then? And do you have faith that believes it? Paul asks a series of questions in the book of Romans. It goes straight to the same question. He's asking a series of questions, and before this, he says, Listen, this is who we are. We are God's chosen people. We we are chosen by God, we are blessed by God. Uh, we we absolutely belong to him we do not belong to this world we belong to him so with that in mind he begins to ask questions what shall we say about all these wonderful things then if god is for us who could ever be against us since he didn't spare even his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else why would you be afraid why would you be afraid paul says Can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have troubles, storms, calamities? If we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or danger, comes into our lives, or, or we're threatened even with death. Does any of that mean that he doesn't love us? Does the storms in our life mean that he doesn't care? Well, remember, Scripture says, verse 36... That that's the way the world is. The world's full of storms, it's full of brokenness, it surprises. For your sake, we're all killed every day, we're being slaughtered like sheep. Answer in verse 37 to all of the questions. Do you have anything to be afraid of? No. Despite all the storms, despite all the calamity, despite the possibility for all the fear that wants to take hold of our lives. Over vic- overwhelming victory is ours through our faith in Christ who loved us and still does. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And amazingly, If you have fear, if you you have fear working in your life right now, if you're afraid of moving forward in your life, if you're afraid of getting out of a bad relationship in your life, if you're afraid as a parent somehow to let your kids experience some failure in their life, if if you're afraid of whatever the future might hold, if you're afraid of whatever it is you need to put a tag on and say, yeah, that's it, that's what I'm afraid of. If you're afraid of that, Scripture, Jesus gives us a simple infidation. Then just ask God for more faith. Ask God for more wisdom. Just ask that you would have the desire in your heart to pay closer attention to his words. Just pay close attention to his words and understand that as you're in his words, as you bathe in his words, as his truth gets into your heart and life, your faith grows and your fear decreases. He says, just ask. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He wants to give it to you. He'll give it to you. He's not going to feel bad about it either. You don't have to be ashamed to ask. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, when you take that step, when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When you ask him for this kind of faith, understand it is absolute and total commitments. It is absolute and total surrender. To ask for this faith means you put yourself in the back of the boat asleep with Jesus, and you say, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be so secure in faith that nothing, No storm can take hold of my life. Ask. We ask. We get in the middle of the storm. And even in the middle of the storm, we understand that's exactly where God is and that may be exactly where you need to be because it's in the middle of that storm. He can do what only He can do and reveal Himself in a way that will finally make it clear. The disciples and Jesus are in the boat. They're in the middle of the storm. Jesus calms the storm. He asks the questions. And then the disciples answer with their own question. It is a great question. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Out of their fear, they asked the next question. Who is this man? Good question. Who is this man in your life right now? Who is this guy? Lord of lords? King of kings? The victor who has secured your eternity? The one who can overcome any storm and threat in your life? Who is this guy? You see, in the middle of the storm... He revealed exactly who he was, exactly who he said he was King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God. In the storm, he revealed if you're a follower, if you have faith, you are secure. The psalmist understood the principle. The psalmist said, Oh Lord, God of heaven's armies, love that phrase, heaven's armies. God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? Not in this world. You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. The heavens are yours. The earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high. Glorious in strength, even in the storms. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You see, you and I, if we're a follower of Christ, there's only one thing we should be afraid of. We should be afraid that our lives somehow don't serve Christ as much as they could and should. That's the only thing we should be afraid of. I mean, it's captured here. Jesus says that he calls us to be afraid at least of one thing nothing else but one thing dear friends don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body they can't do any more to you after that but i'll tell you whom you should fear fear god who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell yes he's the one to fear now some theologians take this text and they turn it into just well you know it means we should just respect god that's all i don't believe that i don't about you you can make up your own mind But I hear this text and I think Jesus is serious. The one thing we should be afraid of is that our lives don't serve him. The one thing we should be afraid of is that we think about serving ourselves more than serving him. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? How is your faith? What are you afraid of? Who is Jesus? And who around you doesn't know him? That you ought to be totally afraid that they're going to live their whole life and not know him. What are you afraid of? Jesus, asleep in the back of the boat, absolutely confident in faith that his life is secure. This is the invitation to us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. It's a great question, and you call us to answer it. Um, Lord, we pray that we would answer it well. We know there's folks in the room today who are in the middle of a storm, and it's uh, right there, right there in that storm, that you are most real, you are most near, and it's there that you can become most clear. Drive out all fear. Help us to pay attention closely to your words, to your deeds, to know that you conquered everything in this world, even death itself, and you give us the invitation to just believe, to have faith, a faith that grows, a faith that continues to strengthen its wisdom and understanding, a faith that drives out the fear, and the faith that flows into other people. So Lord, we ask today that we can answer the question, that we can simply trust you in everything, give up all that we are, absolutely surrender everything in our life into your hands, knowing that you will always do, whether in calm or in storm, you will always do what is best for us.